I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, there is a trio, a trinity, a triad of new shows coming up that look really cool, so we will put them on your radar as they are set to debut this upcoming week. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. Movie award season is heating up. We'll take a look at who's getting all the glory in the early going. Plus... On top of the new shows coming this week, I'll tell you about some of my favorite shows which have returned for the winter. First, it's the news... From the couch. Okay, listen, just because Howard and Bernadette are having problems does not mean you should be here sniffing around. What can I do? I can't stop thinking about her. All right, try thinking about this. Sheldon and Amy had sex. Shut your ass. The end of The Big Bang Theory may be in sight. Right now, they're in season 11, and the show has already locked in for a 12th season as well. The actors' contracts all run through next season. They each get about a million dollars an episode and have for a few years, so they should be all good on that front. This week, at the Television Critics Association Tour, Johnny Galecki, who plays Leonard, suggested that next season will be the end, but he also said there have been no formal discussions about it. He said, quote, the only manner in which the cast has discussed wrapping up the show has been that we're all going to be very sad when that day comes, but I think at this point, everyone's very comfortable with 12 seasons being a good time to go home and see our families. No kidding, 12 years is more than long enough for any show, even popular ones that still get good ratings. Again, no official word, but it seems like everyone over at the Big Bang Theory is ready to wind it down after next year. Howard. Yeah? Your shoes are delightful. (laughs) Where did you get them? (laughs) What? Bazinga, I don't care. What's the plan? Right. Ever have one of those nights? I'll be back. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious. I am not Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. I'm not dead. Come with me if you want to live. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! Many of your old favorite films are coming back to the big screen courtesy of Cineplex. The movie theater chain's annual Flashback Film Fest returns on February 2nd and runs to February 8th. The event was formerly known as the Great Digital Film Fest to highlight the fact that many of the movies shown have been transferred to digital format for the first time. The lineup for the festival has been revealed and includes... Back to the Future. Doc, she didn't even look at it. This is more serious than I thought. Apparently your mother is amorously infatuated with you instead of your father. Whoa, wait, wait a minute. Doc, are you trying to tell me that my mother has got the hots for me? Precisely. Whoa, this is heavy. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Ask me the questions, Bridgekeeper. I'm not afraid. What is your name? Sir Robin of Camelot. What is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. What is the capital of Assyria? I don't know that. War games. Shall we play a game? Oh. (laughs) I think I missed them. Yeah, weird, isn't it? Love to. How about global thermo? Nuclear war. Wouldn't you prefer a good game, Marshes? 
gremlins. Gremlins, eh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. <laughs> Look, I know it sounds crazy, I know. But in a few hours, you're gonna have a major disaster on your hands. The Terminator. Sarah Connor? Yes. Terminator 2. I swear I will not kill anyone. Enjoying its 20th anniversary this year, The Big Lebowski. Private residence, man. Oh, nice Mormon. Rounding out the lineup are Drunken Master, Dune, A View to a Kill, Raising Arizona, The Iron Giant, and Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg's Cornetto trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, The World's End, and my favorite of the three, Hot Fuzz. How's ah. looked? Uh, he's in the freezer. Did you say cool off? No, I didn't say anything, actually. Shame. There was a bit earlier on that you missed when uh, I distracted him with the cuddly monkey, and then I, I said, playtime's over, and I hit him with the peace lily. You're off the f***ing chain! <laughs> Tickets are on sale now. You can get more into more information at cineplex.com slash FBFF. Once again, the Flashback Film Fest is set to air at Cineplex February 2nd to February 8th. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? My former father-in-law only buys the best. It's time for you to do whatever it is he pays you to do. Let's hope you're half as good as everything else he's bought. We need to pay the ransom, Mr. Getty. I do not have the money to spare. No one has ever been richer than you are at this moment. What would it take for you to feel secure? More. More. That's from the trailer for All the Money in the World, Ridley Scott's recent movie that gained a lot of attention for a couple of very strange reasons. They had to cut Kevin Spacey out of the movie and replace him with Christopher Plummer after Spacey's sexual assault scandal broke just weeks before the movie was to be released. And then this week it was revealed that those very reshoots shone a light on a gender pay gap. They gave Michelle Williams $1,000 to reshoot her scenes with Plummer and gave this man $1.5 million to do the same. I'm Mark Wahlberg. You guys know me. Let's go talk to some animals. Hey, dog, how's it going? I like your fur. That looks really great. Well, it was great to meet you. Say hi to your mother for me, okay? A little bit lost in all the controversy is the story of the film itself. It's based on the true story of billionaire John Paul Getty and how he famously refused to pay the ransom to get his kidnapped grandson back in the 70s. The movie got some decent reviews, some small box office so far, and will forever be remembered for the spacey plumber switcheroo. Weirdly enough, a trailer came out this week for an upcoming TV series on FX that is about the same thing as All the Money in the World. It's a show called Trust, a 10-episode drama series from Danny Boyle, the director of Slumdog Millionaire, Train Spotting, and 127 Hours. My grandson, John Paul Getty III. He's got a big house. Lots of women. Which one of you is Paul's girlfriend? I am. She plucked the thin black straps from her shoulders, revealing pert, eager breath. Enough. It's crazy here. What about the money, Paul? 
Truss looks way more entertaining than either version of All the Money in the World did. Donald Sutherland plays the grumpy old man in this one. Hilary Swank plays the missing kid's mom, the Michelle Williams role. And the Marky Mark role is played by Brendan Fraser. And they play up the comedy a lot more. I will not pay a single solitary cent. They'd do better to kidnap his lion. Every now and then you get these weird competing projects about similar stories. Usually it's two movies, not a movie in a series. In the past we've seen Armageddon and Deep Impact, A Bug's Life and Ants, Volcano and Dante's Peak, Prefontaine and Without Limits, Capote and Infamous, that's just to name a few. Trust debuts on FX on Sunday, March 25th. When you have everything you could ever dream of, what do you value? Before you quote too much Shakespeare, you might remember how that family drama ended. Murder, suicide, and insanity. As I recall. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! And maybe they will, like the good old days when Lost was on. It's time to do some deep speculation, guessing, and hope theorizing on the show. With things like The X-Files, Will and Grace, and Roseanne all being resurrected long after they ended. Why not Lost, the super confusing adventure drama about plane crash survivors on a mysterious island? Previously on Lost. We waited for rescue, and there wasn't a rescue. And then there was a smoke monster. And then there were other people on the island. We called them the others. And they started attacking us. And then we teamed up with the others because some worse people were coming on a freighter. Desmond's girlfriend's father sent them to kill us. What? 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 We're going to need to watch that again. Loss ended in 2010 with a finale that was a very big deal at the time. The television event you've been waiting for is here. The two and a half hour finale of Lost. At last, all the secrets will be exposed. All of your questions will be answered, except for one. What the heck are you going to watch now that there's no more Lost? Sunday on ABC. A lot of disgruntled fans would love a do-over of that finale and would be glad to see the show come back. And the boss at the network it was on for six glorious seasons isn't ruling it out. Why do you find it so hard to believe? Why do you find it so easy? It's never been easy! ABC president Channing Dungey tells TV Line she has no plan at this point to revive Lost, but she's not ruling it out. Her exact quote, we have not had any, any official discussions about that. It's something that's on a list of, wouldn't that be great if, but at this point it's only at that place. The reason someone asked her about it was that one of the showrunners from Lost, Carlton Cuse, recently signed a four-year deal with ABC to create and produce shows for the network. The other showrunner on Lost, Damon Lindelof, who went on to co-create and showrun The Leftovers, says he would love to see a new series within the mythology of Lost, but he was clear that he wouldn't take part in any new show whatsoever. He didn't say it was part of the reason, but he was hammered really hard by the internet losers for that Lost finale, so you can't blame him for not wanting to go back to it. I agree with him. Don't bring back Lost proper. Bring back some spin-off version or something. Maybe just Sawyer giving out nicknames. Well, Gimpy McCrutch over here covers up that the artist formerly known as Henry Gale tried to strangle your little amiga, and suddenly it's on me when she goes vigilante. What can I do you for a deep dish? Saw it, Tattoo. What's your problem, Jumbotron? Like you, baby napper? Great plan, Moonbeam. You're in trouble now, cool hand. Skeletor seems to like it. Yeah, yeah, Snuffy. Right behind you, jackass. 
that is the news from the couch. And hearing that loss story, uh, since you, you, there was a time where you remember you would highlight the anniversary of its, uh, oh yes, the ending, and I think the anniversary of its debut. Basically, yeah. any any reason you could yeah, get yeah, to yeah. talk about for loss. sure. And I salute you for it because we that's your favorite show. <gasps> uh, but I I realized that I. I started watching it in season three, which is weird, I know. Yep. Um, but uh, I did go back and watch season one, and I never finished season two. I think I made it only halfway through. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I never. Me- I meant to go back to it, but then I got caught caught so up doing other things. You missed the beginning of Ben, yeah, and the ending of a lot of the tail section folk. I guess so. Yeah, yeah interesting. So I need to to and, fix. That. And what happened to Walt? I can't even remember. You don't want to remember Walt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, maybe one day I'll rewatch it, but probably not. Up next, we'll tell you what is coming to home video this week. Oh, I see something here that Jeff Braun's going to be super excited about. We'll tell you what that is in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. Having a look now at what is coming to home video this upcoming week. And let's start with something that is coming to digital HD that I'm sure Jeff Braun is just super stoked. Oh, yeah. What's it called, Jeff? Geostorm. Thanks to the system of satellites... We can control our weather. Something is wrong with the weather satellites. Afghanistan? Hong Kong. This isn't a malfunction. We need to find out who's behind this. Geostorm. So this movie was bad, right? It's real bad. It stars uh, (laughs) a... Gerard Butler, who I've been on record as not being a fan of, he plays this scientist and uh, he has to go up into space to fix these these weather satellites. The satellites, they, they drop little bombs into the atmosphere and disperse cloud like storm clouds, hurricane clouds, that sort of thing. So, yeah. uh, But something's gone screwy up in space. He has to go up to this big space station and deal with it. Andy Garcia plays the president. Mm-hmm. Ed Harris plays one of the he- uh, president's men. And I can't remember the kid's name. He plays Gerard Butler's brother, but he's also works at the White House, so that's all the stories kind of converge together. Okay, and there's yeah, it's it's a action adventure kind of thing, and it, it's it's hilariously bad. I give it one and a half, but it's honestly, if you like to watch a cheesy bad movie, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I mean those those kinds of movies too can be great in a group setting, right? Yeah, Where you get for some sure. friends together and you yep. just kind of chuckle at the the bad movie. And as far as concepts go, like I, I like the concept, the, at least the science fiction behind the idea of. Sure. Having a system to control the weather, right? Because, I mean, that's the stuff of fantasy. Wouldn't it be nice if we could control oh, yes. the weather? Uh, so that's kind of neat. And I like Gerard Butler, so there I might go. just have to watch it. <laughs> and I like disaster movies, so I might have to watch it. You the... watch it, and uh, maybe we'll have, get a good argument going on there. <laughs> okay. I'll probably end up hating it. Uh, what else do we have coming out here? On Blu-ray and DVD, a movie you definitely like, Blade Runner 2049, with uh, Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford. The Snowman, with Michael Fassbender and Rebecca Ferguson, was just one of the worst-reviewed movies of last year, yeah. especially as far as like what everyone thought would sort of be a serious good kind of police thriller uh just nobody liked it just said it was just garbage i i it's what did it uh oh. i gave you all the clues mr policeman is the poster or something like that everyone yeah. makes fun of the poster anyways and also a uh, third season of better call saul which we are both on record as loving a lot come but- out on DVD. As far as the snowman goes we forgot to mention a key component of that remember who the character is in that Oh yeah, Detective Harry Hole. <laughs> That's right. That's I forgot about that. That makes it even more ridiculous because it's like <laughs> this serious, super dark thriller. 
Yeah. And then the guy's name is Harry Hole. Oh, man. I'm just looking at its box office, and it was uh, it, just a disaster domestically. $6.7 million domestically, but it uh, its foreign box office was, was $36.4 million. Because the, the the source material of the book was from Europe, right? Yeah, it's from it's based on a series of Norwegian books. And uh, they're, they've sold like 17 million copies of these books around the world. The books are a big deal. I've interviewed the author. He's a really cool guy. So uh, They might I, have been better off. Was, are the books in English? Sorry. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, he probably... Actually, I don't know what the, cause the initial s- language he yeah. would have written them in are. Because I was going to say, maybe they would have been better off, even with the same cast, but just making it like a Norwegian film in Norwegian language. Yeah, it just it looked haunting, but at the same time, when I heard the, the voice of the, the killer, I thought, this is just cheesy, yeah. looks kind of And I, I saw a casting thing, a, a, an actor listed on the IMDb page that I didn't see in any of the advertising, so I won't say who it is because maybe it's supposed to be like a surprise of, Oh, if somebody turns out to be somebody that you think they aren't or something like that. But okay. it was weird and it did not fill me with confidence. <laughs> Up next, we are going to talk about award season as they're off and running now that the Golden Globes are behind us. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. You can practically see it from here. What? Home. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and that, of course, is a clip from Dunkirk, a movie nominated for a lot of awards this year. I'll get to it specifically in a bit. I finally saw it. But first, the opening salvo of movie award season was struck last weekend with the Golden Globes, and it made things murkier more than more clear. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri won the Best Drama Award, which I don't think anyone was expecting. It also won the Screenplay Award and Best Actress for its star, Frances McDormand. It's been and gone from most theaters. It may return if it now does what we all expect it to do, which is start racking up wins and nominations at other award shows. So I guess we have to look at it as the frontrunner for the Oscars at this point, although those are still almost two months away and movies can gain lose momentum in a hurry along the way. But there's no really clear frontrunner to begin with. I mean, Lady Bird won won Best Comedy last weekend, although its director wasn't nominated. The Shape of Water won Best Director, but nothing else in the major categories. The Post, Dunkirk, Call Me By Your Name, and Phantom Thread all went home empty-handed. Now, the BAFTA nominations came out this week. Those are like the British Oscars. And again, Three Billboards got a lot of nominations. To be fair, it is made by a British guy, Martin McDonough, and these are British awards, so that makes sense. I also read an article this week that said Three Billboards comes off as how Europeans see America, so that may be a factor. It got a slew of nominations, as did a movie called Darkest Hour, which is a movie about Winston Churchill, starring Golden Globe winner Gary Oldman. Obviously, that's going to do well at the BAFTAs. And still, The Shape of Water had the most nominations, as it did at the Golden Globes, but again, it won Best Director there and Best Original Score, but no acting, writing, or Best Picture wins. The Post and Lady Bird didn't get any BAFTA nominations. The uh, or many, I should say. The Post didn't get any. Ladybird got a couple of acting ones. And that sort of points, you know, further to the Britishness of it all. They're not really interested in American stories. So an interesting award season without any obvious frontrunner yet. That could change in a couple of weeks if Three Billboards starts winning everything or something else steps up and starts winning everything. The weird thing is, Brett, a lot of the articles I read this week came off with the, the writer or critic who was writing it um, being kind of mad that it's such a mishmash with no easy way to tell who's going to win everything. But... That makes it more fun, doesn't it? When you really have no idea what's going to be in the envelope, and it makes watching these boring award shows at least a little more exciting. Yes. And you have to guess it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but these are, oh, this is insane. We don't know who's going to Well, there are, there are too many of, <laughs> like, there are so many award shows now. We have yeah. 
access. It's not just award shows, but then every little critics group has its own thing. The yep. Los Angeles critics, the Boston critics, the Des Moines, Iowa critics association. Yeah. I don't know if that's a real thing, by the way. But it's just one thing after another. And by the time the Oscars show up... This movie has been won like a hundred best picture awards or whatever. Yeah, and the, and usually at the Oscars in the major categories, you know, at best there's one big surprise. Yeah, and usually in like a supporting actor actress category. And also, what one of the, the you know we'll get to your Dunkirk yeah, yeah. Uh, thoughts in a second, but uh, the interesting trend I've seen, well, I guess it's been at least five years. Is there's always a front runner. And then by then there's a backlash against the front runner. Yeah. And then there's a backlash against the backlash. <laughs> and I think it's just because the season's too long with the the access to information and all the awards shows. It's just by the time we get to the Oscars, I think everybody's just done with it. Yeah. It's, and it's interestingly enough is last weekend, the the fifth, which I guess was last Friday. Well, that was the first day that people could start voting for the Oscars. Okay. For for what the nominations will be, not for the winners, but who the nominees will be. Okay. So, and then, you know, so they got their ballots to mail in for that. And then two days later, the Golden Globes were on and three billboards won. So who knows if that'll actually just, people are just like sitting on their couch, checking off whatever wins Golden Globes. Yeah. Which, you know, some people do, because I mean, as much interest as we may put into things like this, there are jaded people in Hollywood that just don't care and are just checking boxes randomly. So. For sure. So there's that. Anyway. That's how I vote for school trustee. <laughs> Just random. I pick whoever has the weirdest name. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Solid citizens we are. Yeah. So, oh uh, yeah, I finally saw Dunkirk this week. Um, you know, I always try to watch a lot of the award-winning movies, and we do still expect Dunkirk to be on the Best Picture nominee list for the Oscars, even though it was blanked at the Globes. Uh, it's I thought it was terrific. I'm not going to get into it a whole lot because it's been out for months now on home video already. It's gorgeous. I got the you know 1080p Blu-ray. Looked phenomenal. I did regret not seeing it in theaters in an IMAX screen because I remember you said that it looked great when you went to see it like that. And it was just, and I could tell immediately, it's like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is a good looking movie right from the jump. Yeah. Um, I really like the way the story unfolded with the sort of three different stories and timelines and how the clocks in them wound down to the end of the movie. I like that they never really showed the Germans, just bullets flying at these uh, Allied soldiers randomly uh, from unknown positions. I w- it just added, made it more, you know, terrifying. The acting was great. I've especially grown fond of Mark Rylance the past few years. He was in Bridge of Spies. He won an Oscar for that. I wish he hadn't wasted so much of his life in live theater when he could have been making movies for us. Anyways. And Tom Hardy acting with just his eyes again, wearing a mask for, what, the third movie? (laughs) So, that is so him. Uh, The only thing I didn't really like was that it's PG or PG-13. Like, it's a war movie, and there wasn't really any blood in it, and I don't think there's any swears in it. And just in 2017, that seemed a bit far-fetched for me. I don't know why that bugged me, but it did. Overall, I thought it was a wonderfully envisioned and executed film about one of World War II's most harrowing chapters. I will give Dunkirk four and a half out of five. Yeah, I, it's a great point that you make, actually, about not showing the Germans, because I now that I think of it, that really does add to the... It was terrifying. You felt like you yeah. were right in it. You were, like, you were sort of in the war, that you were in the fight and you were just trying to survive the bullets wherever they were coming from. Yeah. It was it was legit scary. As far as the no blood is concerned, I guess I found that a little weird, but maybe they wanted, maybe they wanted to have it for a wider audience so that young people could go see it and at least learn was, something. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And I think, and I think I... Honestly, back months ago, read a Christopher Nolan thing where he didn't want, he thought if it was too bloody, then, you know, Saving Private Ryan Styles, that would be the focus of too many, too much of the commentary about the movies. Yeah. And just from a filmmaking perspective, it's probably a lot easier 
to yeah. do without blood because then True. you don't have to do makeup and you don't have to change the costumes or re- redress the set or however Especially that works. Especially it was a very wet movie. There's a lot of water in it and blood mixing with water, that would probably just ruin the set even more. Yeah. Cleaning, uh, cleaning up the water could not be easy. I, I, apparently, if you see Darkest Hour as well in conjunction with Dunkirk... That is, oh, he talks uh, about Dunkirk in it? Well, because that's the, it basically leads, that's Churchill's uh, decision to try right, to right, right. organize the mission yeah. to say, to rescue the soldiers. So they kind of go hand in hand yeah, nicely. Yeah, because Dunkirk has comments from Churchill in it. Yeah, that so that, that that darkest hour likely going to be, uh, at least Gary Oldman should clock in with some uh, award, major award wins as well. And uh, of course, I guess just very quickly as well, the Golden Globes, the, the, the movies and the content themselves obviously uh, took quite... Took a back seat, really, to yeah. the overall oh, theme yeah. of the night, the Me Too theme. Oprah with her powerful speech, which was just tremendous. And uh, up next, I want to tell you about some TV shows that are coming your way over the next week and some of the new or some of the, my returning favorite shows that are back on television. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. In a few moments, I want to tell you about some of my favorite shows which have returned this week, and I'm very excited about those. But there are three shows scheduled to come your way this week, which I wanted to highlight. Lots of new and returning shows making their debut right now, now that the holidays are over and winter is here in full. Tuesday on The CW, this looks really neat. Black Lightning. It's been nine years since I've used my powers. And this city is getting more and more dangerous every moment. Your powers were given to you for a reason. I can't save the world, Gabby. But you can save your piece of it. It's time that the people know Black Lightning is back. Thought you were done being a hero. Brother needs all the exercise he can get. Black Lightning, series premiere, Tuesday, January 16th on The CW. Now, the thing with this uh, that I th- I think, first of all, that I like the most is I believe that Black Lightning, it, it's a DC Comics adaptation, yeah. another one on The CW. That makes five now. Yikes. But it's not connected to the Arrowverse, so it's not... Oh, it's its own thing. It's not a part of Arrow, The Flash, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, or Supergirl. It's just his own standalone show, as far as I understand, <laughs> which means I could... Because I gave up so on those shows. So Supergirl... At that's, the beginning, uh, yeah, that's right. They weren't. They were not <laughs> intending to do crossovers. You're right. So they they might find a way to get Black Lightning in the mix. I don't know, but it it kind of means that if I watch it, then I won't feel like I'm missing out because I'm a yeah, completist yeah. and kind of OCD about yeah, that stuff. I no. can't watch one and not all of them. I've got to think about that if you want to hear. Oh yeah, uh, just you? recently on Netflix a couple weeks ago, the Seinfeld thing, comedians in cars getting with comedians in cars getting coffee. Joined Netflix like they said it was going to. Yeah. And so it's all the old episodes are there on Netflix. And I watched a couple of the ones I was rewatching. I've seen them all before. And I was rewatching some of my faves. And each one had about 90 seconds worth of new material that weren't in the originals. Oh, no. So now I've got to rewatch all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Hours and like tens of hours of stuff just for 90 seconds of new stuff in each episode. This is for which show? Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. There's that many hours of shows? Well, they're each like 20 minutes, and okay. there's, there's like 50 of them. So. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wish you Godspeed on that journey. <laughs> I was so mad when, like, this, the first time I was like, oh, I must have just, you know, fallen asleep the first time I saw this. Yeah. And then the second one was like, no, that wasn't there last time. I know that for sure. Yeah, I know I know the feeling. I, I wouldn't, the only way that I would be able to avoid falling down that rabbit hole is ignoring it entirely. Because once I start. Yeah. 
I have to finish. So that uh, another interesting thing too about Black Lightning is that the guy, the actor at least, is forty seven years old. So I think that's kind of cool that a it's uh, about a it's the first TV show about a black man as the lead superhero. But it's the guy is forty seven years old. He had retired. He's a father, a husband, but he comes out of retirement, so to speak, to take on the bad guys. And he uh, stars Cress Williams, a guy you probably know and have seen in stuff. He's been acting for Googling over two him, decades. Yeah. And uh, I first knew him as Deshaun Hardell on Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's really, that guy. He is that guy. Uh, that guy. I really like him, so I'm excited for Black Lightning. At least to check it out. His powers, by the way, he shoots lightning out of his hands, and <laughs> it looks pretty cool. On Wednesday. FX rolls out season two of its anthology series, American Crime Story. Season one aired two years ago, and it was excellent. The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Season two is the assassination of Gianni Versace. Help! Help! Shortly before 9 a.m., fashion designer Gianni Versace was shot on the steps of his villa. Pronounced Versace. Singer? That's Liberace. He was a creator. He was a genius. Everything you see around us, this house, this company, was his life. I will not allow that man, that nobody, to kill my brother twice. The series stars Penelope Cruz as Donatella Versace, Ricky Martin as Antonio D'Amico, Darren Chris as Andrew Cunanan, Cunanan, I should have looked that up beforehand, and Edgar Ramirez as Gianni Versace. So again, People vs. O.J. Simpson was just tremendous. I'm not as curious about this one, but that's what I said about the People versus O.J. Simpson. There you go. And I was hooked within five minutes. You never know. I still haven't watched the most recent season of American Horror Story, though, so I'm falling way behind on my FX shows. And then the third one I wanted to tell you about is set to debut Saturday, January 20th, Planet Earth, Blue Planet 2. The ocean. The largest habitat on Earth. A generation ago, the series The Blue Planet took us beneath the waves. But now we know so much more. Take a deep breath. This is a follow-up series to The Blue Planet, which aired back in 2001, narrated by Sir David Attenborough. It's already aired in the UK and was scheduled to debut on January 20th on BBC Earth. And I say that because I'm going to prompt you to check your listings. My listings appear to be, at the very least, incomplete or flat-out wrong, since that night, January 20th, there is an episode of Planet Earth scheduled, but it's listed as a repeat. Hmm. So I'm going to record it anyway. I'm going to set my PVR for that hour in the hopes that it is, in fact, the new series, or maybe by the time next weekend rolls around, they'll actually get their listings updated on BBC Earth. Planet Earth 2, of course, was one of my favorite series of 2017. So now I guess I'm going to once again look forward (laughs) to having no life uh, so I can stay home on Saturday nights and watch TV. So it's just oceans? That's, what's that? It's just about oceans? Yeah. Oh, man. That's the ocean. Uh, I got a thing with the oceans. I, I think it's the most the most interesting feature on the planet are the oceans. Yep. And they terrify me. Well, there's so but much of it. I love looking across the ocean, but if I start thinking about looking down, that just, it 
then I'm like scared to get on a boat because it's just so deep. <laughs> it's too deep, Brett. There's too much stuff down there. You don't know what is lurking beneath. And there's so much. There's, yeah, like of all the stuff on the planet that has not been discovered, most of it's in the ocean. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Maybe you uh, can go on a ride with James Cameron and go discover some new species. No, not even, a, not in a million years. Uh, we got about two minutes left here, so I want to just quickly talk about some of the returning shows that came back this week, starting with uh, Cardinal, which is a CTV series. It's based on a series of books by Giles Blunt, uh, six books in that series, mystery series. And the first season was kind of like uh, like the, the Nordic noir trend that's come out of the Scandinavian countries uh, and uh, other countries in that region. I've mentioned Trapped before. There's shows like The, the Bridge. The Snowman. <laughs> the Snowman, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the, the Harry Hole series. And Cardinal kind of has this sort of sad, haunted um, crime mystery thing about it. And it was just excellent. So the first episode, which I watched last week, was great. It's another six-episode series. If you're familiar with the books, this is based on the third book, Black Fly season, and then there is going to be a third season, uh, which will also be six episodes, and I believe it's going to be based on the fourth and fifth books. So I, I actually got all the books from my dad for Christmas, so maybe once he's done with them, I will try to read them. Uh, also, The Good Place came back. Yes. And Ted Danson, who, of course, is one of the greatest actors of all time, I think delivered a Hall of Fame performance in that winter premiere. He it, was awfully good. He was so good, and I just I, I don't think I've ever laughed Harder. I liked what, when he was doing the roast yeah. and he explains, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that joke is funny because it's yeah. cruel and humiliating. <laughs> right. And just that he looked so <laughs> gleeful and so happy to be tearing these people apart verbally. Oh, and, and just Jason and his love of the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, and Blake Bortles in particular, that I don't know, I find that endlessly funny. Yeah, uh, we're basically out of time for the broadcast portion, but I will add a couple more thoughts into the podcast, which you can subscribe to on Google Play and on iTunes. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett, he's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Podcast bonus stuff. I'm Brett McGarry. Hello again. So I wanted to take a couple more minutes to talk about some of the returning shows that came this week to your television, starting with The X-Files. Actually, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now already that the first episode of season 11 made its debut, and I, I'm i not really sure how I felt about that first episode. I just thought it was so frantic. It was exciting, and thrilling, but it was frantic and kind of confusing. It's been a while since the previous short season aired. It's good to see it back. You know, I love David Duchovny. I love Gillian Anderson, and they're wonderful together on screen. But, uh, yeah, this show remains confusing, so we're going to have to see how it plays out. I just, I don't know. I was kind of hit and miss. I was sort of hit and miss with the uh, the Resurrection series as well, the Resurrection season, which aired, I guess, a year and a half ago now or what have you, on Fox. The Exorcist, this is a show that airs on aired on Fox. Its second season has wrapped up. It wrapped up actually last year in late 2017, but I didn't get around to it until this week. I watched the last three episodes. And uh, for a show that when I first heard they were doing it, I really... I was was beyond skeptical. I was quite frankly mortified. I thought seriously, like don't even try. You're just going to tarnish the name of the the good name of the film, the good name of the book. 
Uh, because, but it wasn't a remake of the film. It was a continuation of sorts of that story. And season one of The Exorcist, which aired in 2016, actually was really good. It was surprisingly good, starring uh, Gina Davis. Season two uh, continues. It, it follows the two main priests from that series. They've now gone on the road, and uh, there is they eventually meet a family. The patriarch of this foster family is John Cho, who was just wonderful. I think this maybe was the, the role of his career. He was very good in The Exorcist season two. And uh, yeah, I really like this show. The producers say they have a six or seven season plan if Fox will let them, which I doubt they will. Much like Hannibal. I don't know if you remember the NBC series Hannibal, but they had a multi-season arc, like five, six, seven seasons, I think, planned, or they they said that they could do that many seasons. NBC ultimately gave them three. And I know I think there's still talk that somebody might pick up Hannibal, but it's been a couple of years now since that show went to bed. The Magicians is back on Showcase this week. Season three, season one, uh, in this show, by the way, The Magicians, based on a series of books, season one was one of my favorite shows of 2016. It was in my top 10. It was creative and innovative and imaginative and different, unique. It was just, it was like nothing I'd ever seen on television. And it was very tongue in cheek and sort of self-aware of the fact that it was basically Harry Potter, but an adult version, you know, with sex and drugs and alcohol and, uh, but it's not, it's not like a teenage kind of romp. It's quite serious. The show dealt with a lot of serious things like sexual assault and PTSD and addiction problems all, and it just also happened to have magic. So it was really cool. I liked it. Season two for me was mostly a bust. I was really disappointed every time I watched an episode, I thought, well, that was okay. Uh, that was bad. I think were my my more the sentiments I felt more often than not. So I actually it's still sitting on my PVR the first episode from season three because I held on to the season two finale. I've been meaning to rewatch the finale for the last eight months and I just haven't been able to bring myself to do it. So I finally started watching that. So I will eventually get to the magicians and I'm hoping that season three is better than season two. Again, that is Wednesday nights on Showcase. The Amazing Race, season 30, made its debut a couple of weeks ago on CBS. They didn't have a show in the fall. They're only doing one. Usually they do, much like Survivor, The Amazing Race often gets a show in the fall, and it gets a show in the spring, but they're scaling back on The Amazing Race. I think they're getting ready to pull the plug on this show. It's uh, diminishing returns as far as its ratings are concerned, and I think even as far as its awards prestige. So it's probably much more expensive to produce than any of their other reality shows. I still like The Amazing Race. I think it's a great show, but I think it's also good that they're scaling it back to one season because I don't need two seasons on CBS and then a third season in Canada, although I have grown to enjoy the Canadian version more than the American version. Uh, although it, the hosts are both great, Phil on the the Amazing Race proper, and then John Montgomery here in Canada. This is us. This week delivered such an intense episode of television as they had a family therapy session, which was 
Ooh, so many tears. So many tears. <laughs> this show, one of my friends, and he's listening right now, texted me and said, This Is Us is on tonight. Are you ready to cry? And cry I did. I can't help it, okay? I can't help it. And the, the therapy session, the family therapy session was so good because it felt so real when one of the characters starts talking about things that have always bothered him and he's never really been able to say, maybe he never knew how to say them. So he, is not, he doesn't, it's not a confrontation, but he's finally speaking his mind. Naturally, it catches the family off guard. They all put up their self-defense mechanisms and fight back. And it's, it's emotional carnage, really. And it was so good. And that's why this show is beloved because it is real, it's relatable, and uh, it's so well written, it's so well acted. So I can't recommend This Is Us enough if you have not watched it. You can watch the first season, you can get caught up the first season, and then hopefully there will be reruns of season two on TV at some point before it inevitably ends up on Netflix. And uh, I mentioned Cardinal, by the way, season one of Cardinal is available on Crave TV. So if you want to watch it there, it's only six episodes. It's so good. It was really good. It wasn't quite good enough to crack my top 10 for 2017 because I think that they could have done a few things better. But for a six-episode series that feels distinctly Canadian, I highly recommend it. And I'm looking forward to seeing how season two plays out. And finally, I just thought I'd point this out because this is weird. The Gifted, that's that... Fox Network X-Men TV show or the the TV the mutant TV show we'll put it in the X-Men universe so it, it takes a few weeks off the the fall finale as many shows now do pretty much all of them do really they have their fall finale they take a few weeks off they come back on January 1st which I thought was weird to come back on New Year's Day but I mean that was its normal broadcast day on Monday and then they take January 8th off and then the season finale is on January 15th. So they come back. They take a break for a few weeks, and then they come back. And then they take another week off, and then they close it out, I think, with a two-hour season finale for a 13-episode first season. I have mixed emotions about The Gifted. I think some of the stuff they do is really cool. It's got great visual effects. But it's it's kind of the... The same story we've seen before with the X-Men is that the mutants are being hunted, they're being persecuted, the authorities are after them because they they think that they're criminals. It's such a common story with uh, superhero stuff. And it's just, it's kind of an old story, even though it's fresh young faces, it's an old and repetitive story. Plus, given that it is on network television, it, it succumbs to... A lot of the typical network sort of melodrama that we're used to seeing. And uh, it got progressively more annoying as the season went on. So I have not yet watched the episode from January 1st. And I might not watch it. I'm, I'm still debating whether or not I'm going to just delete it and cancel that series recording. Because I've just, I've watched, this is a thing that I've talked about many times before. I watch too much television and I want to make room for more films. And I I did watch more movies in 2017. I think the final total was 22 or 23. I can't remember off the top of my head. And as far as TV shows, I can't remember that number off the top of my head. I think it was around 60 
yes, 60, but in 2016, it was 65. So I've made, <laughs> I made a slight modification, but I would like to make further modification. And I want to make, I want to make sure that the, the television that I am watching is great or that I feel really good about all of the shows that I watch. And actually that leads me, that reminds me, I was thinking about dropping Lucifer. This is a show that also airs Monday nights on Fox and it's based on a DC comic, DC graphic novel. My understanding is there nothing, the similarities are, are few and far between because the comic looks rather serious, whereas the TV show is a police procedural. That's right. Lucifer, the devil, is a consultant for the Los Angeles Police Department and helps a detective solve crimes. It sounds ridiculous, I know. But, I mean, that's kind of Fox's thing, because previously they had Sleepy Hollow, which was sort of a supernatural police procedural where Ichabod Crane, who had been asleep for some 200 years, wakes up in the 21st century and helps an FBI agent solve crimes, admittedly of the supernatural uh, like. But anyway, Lucifer, it's a dumb series and most of the characters are stupid and I hate them. And they, 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 they've introduced an, one of the newest character in the series or one of the newest characters is really... Really annoying, and I hate her so much. But Lucifer, and I, I got to look up the guy who plays him. He's he's just too good. He's irresistible. He's so funny and charming, and he just nails it every time. And Tom Ellis is Lucifer Morningstar. And this week they did a flashback episode to the first day when he came to Los Angeles a few years ago when he left hell and came back to Earth, to Los Angeles, and decided that he was going to stay. And it was probably the best episode the series has had so far because they embraced the comedic elements and the cast had a good time. And the previously mentioned annoying character was not there to ruin everything. So I think it reminded me of why I liked it in the first place because it only focused on a small handful of good characters. They've since ruined it with other annoying characters. And I keep telling myself I want to drop it because I think it's a stupid show. It's a dumb network television show, but I can't stop watching it. So these are the things that I... These are the important things that I wrestle with on a daily basis. That's right. I have tough decisions to make in my life. That's all the time I have now for the podcast. I'm Brett. Jeff's gone. This is the Couch Potatoes. Thank you for listening. And next week, I'll tell you about some other crap. <laughs>